You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello, and welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. I am your host, The Monster. Back to give you another week of sci-fi news. So, this is now, what, three weeks straight? I'm doing pretty good. Trying to keep to a schedule. Including the fact that I got to run before I did the podcast. And then I had dinner, and it's like, it's now 10 o'clock... I'm already sleepy <laughs> trying to do this podcast because I have to edit this and try to get it out tomorrow, but try to get this on a semi-regular schedule to get it done by Friday. Okay, try to stay awake here. Wake up! All right, so the big three items I'm going to be talking about on the heels, so to speak, of New York City Comic Con News broke about a new Star Trek series. Kurtzman. Hate that guy. We also have news. Big, big news about what's coming to Spider-Man 3. And Riddick is going to be making... Or I should not say Riddick is going to be making more. (laughs) But Vin Diesel is going to be making more. Riddick movies. Sure, let's go with that franchise. All right, so the before we get into that, the little tidbit news that I came across today, there's going to be a new Godzilla anime. Now, I've talked about the anime that came on Netflix a couple of years back. It was called Godzilla, Planet of the Monsters, which was the first one. The other one was called Godzilla, City on the Edge of Battle. And then the last one was Godzilla, Planet Eater. I got through the first one and enjoyed it immensely. And I talked about this um, in a podcast with a couple of my coworkers. And then I tried going through the the next two, and it was really a struggle to get through that. In this case, there's another series called Godzilla Singular Point, and is going to be created by Studio Ghibli. So if you don't know who Studio Ghibli is, you really need to get out and. Find some really good anime from Studio Ghibli. But in any case, that looks like it's going to be handled by them. We'll see how this turns out. The I think the main focus is that you really need to have a compelling story. And the story kind of meanders. But then Godzilla comes in and saves the day, so to speak. I would like to see all of that have like a good balance. Because I think King of the Monsters, the, the live action movie did a fair enough job in which there were human people, the the human characters that you cared about, that you weren't bored by, decent story, and the action was just really freaking fantastic. So let's see if they can kind of do the same thing for this new anime. The other news is that Alita Battle Angel, if you've not seen this on DVD, which I'm sure you have by now, you might be a surprise that it's coming back, I believe it's October 30th, back onto the big screen. Which is good news, because if you have seen Alita Battle Angel, you know that 
that's only half. We still have a whole other section that, frankly, may not be filmed. But there's a lot of Battle Angel fans that have been pushing for this, so it's good news that we're getting to see that come back to the big screen. And considering that Tenet, hold that thought, is one of the newest movies that came out and hasn't done blockbusters, but other movies that have come out years ago have been making a killing like Hocus Pocus after all these years. It's doing almost on par what Tenet's been doing in the box office. So I'm like, all right, let's do that. But put all that aside. It's good news that that at least that is this acknowledgement that maybe the numbers are good and there's enough pull or the fans, maybe we'll get a sequel out of this. However, that said, with this pandemic... And the reason why Tenet has not worked is because of the pandemic. I will talk about my review of Tenet because I did actually get to see it. And I went on a Monday, first showing at 4.45. I had the whole place to myself. So there's no freaking way a blockbuster movie like Tenet can survive with just like me in just one whole auditorium that expects to make a killing. So we'll see what happens with Alita Battle Angel. If it does decent enough, it will be really great to see a sequel. But again, everything for this year that has not made it, we're going to get that in spades coming next year and then some. So whenever we'll get to see Alita Battle Angel, if it does happen, a couple of years down the road, the earliest. And Swamp Thing, which was on a DC Universe about a year or two ago. Had originally, I think, a slate of 13 episodes, but they cut short because they ran into production problems due to a clerical error with the tax benefits for the production company, which, since that couldn't go through, they had to scale back the production and, like, cram the last bit of the series and then end the series. Like, there wasn't even order for a second season. They just ran out of money and had to shut it all down. So the benefit here, if you didn't have the DC Universe app like I did, which I only saw, like, I still couldn't finish the first episode. But apparently, it's been on the CW and is doing very well. Go figure. And then two, HBO Max wants to bring it to HBO Max, but not this series. So... It doesn't make sense to kind of redo what you just did, or in this case, start over again. Honestly, I would just pick up that crew and continue with season two. You know, it's not unheard of. Like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It got canceled on Fox, and then NBC picked it up. Wonder Woman was on ABC the first season, and then the last two was on CBS. It's not unheard of. Why can't you do that with Swamp Thing? All right, so let's start with our big three. The first one being this new Star Trek series. At the time of this recording, Lower Decks, the animated series on CBS All Access, had finished its first season. I have yet to watch any episodes, but if I can get the free trial for one week, I'll binge through the whole series and I'll do a review of that. Now, there was discussion that Kurtzman was planning to do two animated series. So we got Lower Decks and 
as of today, Star Trek Prodigy is the newest one, but this is not going to be on CBS All Access, but Nickelodeon. So, we have Captain Janeway. That's going to be taking the helm, so to speak, of this show. But as they uh, kind of described the premise of the show, it doesn't seem that encouraging, but it says, uh, we follow a group of lawless teenagers who come across a derelict Starfleet ship and then decide to try their own bit of boldly going. I guess where no teen has gone before. Okay, so the question then becomes, how is this going to include Janeway? And for that matter, is this before or after Voyager? It it doesn't say. (laughs) We don't know. I'm just hoping that this is like... It's hard to describe what I'm feeling right now about Star Trek and Star Trek... About this series and Star Trek in general... As I texted Gene earlier this afternoon, and he says he's done with Star Trek. He's done. He even stopped playing the Star Trek timeline games. In, in that vein, I'm, I know that feeling. Because I'm all in for Star Trek. But I guess there'll be a certain point where this latest iteration of Star Trek doesn't feel anything like it. There's nothing joyful, in my opinion, about this. And maybe I'll get a chuckle or two out of Lower Decks, and I'll find that out. But I haven't felt any kind of positive vibes when watching two seasons of Discovery, although there was some positive things coming out of it, which is the Star Trek Strange New Worlds with Captain Pike. I'm definitely looking forward to that. But Picard didn't do anything of that other than, if you watch Star Trek Nemesis... And watch a little bit of the scenes between Picard and Data. It works on that level only. For them to say goodbye. That's it. And then we'll get season three of Discovery in a couple of weeks. But here, I don't know. It, it just feels kind of weird because I don't want to say like Janeway is going to be some kind of like uh, hologram on the ship. But I don't see how... Janeway is going to be on a derelict ship or be connected to this. And and honestly, with Kurtzman helming this, I have a deep admiration for Kate Mulgrew and what she did with Janeway. I think her run after the first season or two in which she lost that hair bun design on her head and the Catherine Hepburn voice at times was very grating but as a captain she kicked ass and I loved that and I loved how that series ended with the Boar Queen and the time travel story I loved it can't rave enough about that series considering at that time a lot of the background characters that we did see and know like Harry Kim and Tom Paris they had their moments not all of them were great. They were very... I'm not going to say one-dimensional, because that will be a disservice to them compared to what the background characters are on Discovery. I still don't know any of the crew names on Discovery, except for the lead on Burnham and Tilly. Really? That's all I know. And I can't think of the alien. 
because I'm stupid. In any case, as I mentioned last week, is that, yeah, we're not getting any more Star Trek movies. This is what we have. This is what we're going to get from Kurtzman. And I think after a strange new world, I highly doubt we're going to get a a Section 31 series. You can just forget it at this time. I'm just kind of like not as enthusiastic about what Kurtzman wants to do with this Kurtzman verse with Star Trek. It's not mine. And granted, this is for a new audience. But there's nothing for us to kind of grab onto for longtime fans. And we'll talk about this later on. But in comparison to Cobra Kai, if you want to show what it's like to acknowledge the fans have enjoyed this movie, that Karate Kid movie, and bring in next generation, so to speak, for Cobra Kai to exist... They did that perfectly. I think what they try to do here is very dismissive of what the old fans are. And also you can say the same thing about Star Wars. You know, how Kennedy was talking about there are more stories ahead of us than there are behind us. But in fairness, it's really the old fans that are still, you know, vying for some semblance of what that Star Wars universe will be. That was the thing that made us happy. And thank God for the Mandalorian, because other than that, Star Wars is going to be trash. And right now, unfortunately, I don't see any of that other than Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds, because again, the idea of going back to episodic episodes and not a long season story arc, I think that is the better option to go. Put it on something familiar, which is the Enterprise, and we know Pike, and we saw number one. I want to see that, and I want to see it updated. That's how you should do this. I think they missed the opportunity with Discovery to really... (sighs) I'll talk about it another time. i got to move on. (laughs) I'm already too sleepy to stay up any further than talk about this. All right, so let's talk about Riddick. In 2000, I believe, is when we first see Pitch Black, which, in fairness, it's not a bad movie. It's one of those roles in which, you know, you don't need to have a leading man do a whole lot of talking as long as he can kick ass. You know, like Schwarzenegger and Conan, or him and Terminator. But that role, playing Riddick, was fantastic. When it came to the second one, David Twoey, I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, but The Chronicles of Riddick was visually amazing. And it was his own space opera slash kind of like Macbeth in space, which I really dug. And it had Carl Urban in it. And I was just like... This is great. I really got into this universe. I really enjoyed seeing that universe get expanded. That was fantastic. Uh, we get Riddick, the third movie in the Chronicles of Riddick, but it kind of reverts back to what the first one was. But in this case, he was being hunted, and they had uh, 
Katie Sackhoff, who I love tremendously, have a gratuitous side nude scene, which was not necessary, and the whole movie was just complete garbage. But are we going to get three more? Well, that's what he wants to do. And I'm, look, I, I, I trust what he can deliver, and he knows how to play into his strengths. Like family. That's what he does. He works with family. You know, and in fairness, Fast and Furious, over the quarantine, I've watched them all. So I'm raring to see number nine. It's a lot of fun to watch. A lot of movies that Vin Diesel's in, like Bloodshot, I freaking love that. It's unfortunate that Bloodshot is not going to get like a long-lasting, ongoing series like you would have for Fast and the Furious. It deserves it. Most definitely, it deserves it. But in this case, how many people are vying for, I want to see more Riddick, other than Vin Diesel? I definitely see that there is room for this character to grow. I would love to see more of that universe be explored. But I think you need, from this point on, you're going to have to have a game plan. And not just have a one-off movie and then decide later on, no, we're going to change it back to what it was, but smaller. I say go big or go home because I think the idea of Riddick at the end of the second movie becoming like the ruler of the necromancers. Is it necromancers or necromongers? I forget. But that was all dismissive at the very beginning of number three, in which Carl Orban and his little gang says, nope, you're not going to be the ruler. You're out. And they toss him on the planet and just left him. And I'm like, you wrote this incredible story, and then the third one just like, nah, forget it. Let's, let's scrap that crap. No, let's not do this. Let's not do this. That's not cool. Yes, for Riddick. Have a game plan. Map it all out. I'm sure you couldn't map out the, the path that Fastener Furious took. But it built a core in which you follow these heroes or anti-heroes and got into that whole, yeah, we are family <laughs> mindset. I don't know if you can do that with Riddick, but you need to build that. You need to have a set of core characters around Riddick too, because it really doesn't work just about with just Riddick at the center. You need to care about his journey as well as the other people that he surrounds himself with. Alright, so the last bit of news is that Spider-Man 3 with Tom Holland is getting Doctor Strange coming to his aid or being part of this story. And this is where it gets really uh, interesting. Last week, there was discussion about Jamie Foxx, who was in The Amazing Spider-Man, being brought back to play Electro. So, is he going to be part of the Senator Six? Like, uh, the Vulture, Scorpion, Doc Ock, uh, who else we're missing? The Rhino? I forgot. Is that all six? Was it Sandman? In there too? I forget. 
but to have him be part of a different movie which had Andrew Garfield in it, are we going to then acknowledge in the multiverse that Spider-Man? Are we going to have Tobey Maguire as that Sandman be brought over from the third movie? That would be kind of cool. So I guess the whole multiverse thing will happen-ish because of Doctor Strange's ability to open up the portals. But I thought WandaVision coming out in December and her kind of playing around with her reality is affecting our reality in Doctor Strange 2 and the Multiverse of Madness would have been the conclusion of that. So it seems the after effect from WandaVision might be then Spider-Man 3. All right. But it seems to be a big build because if you're going to be doing all of this with Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse and then supposedly the other report that came out from Doctor Strange 2 which is done by going to be done by Sam Raimi we're going to have alternate versions of the characters that we know from this Earth like Tom Cruise playing Tony Stark Emily Blunt playing Natasha Romanoff plays with Black Widow. And I'm blanking on another character's name that popped up. Which, yeah, you could, but that's an expensive movie already. So, is that going to happen? I'm kind of pissed at Marvel, only because, you know, DC, when it mentioned the DC fandom, leaning into the multiverse, that we're going to get the Flash movie... And we're going to get the two Batmans. And now there's possibly of Wonder Woman being, being in there. If we do Flashpoint, I definitely want to see that war between the Mascara and Atlanta. Atlanta. Atlantis. <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> I'm going to have a war with Atlanta. It's landlocked. <laughs> but it's it just like Marvel is already planning the destruction of the multiverse. The one thing that... DC had in spades, and I'm like, no, 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 hold my beer, DC. <laughs> and like, <clears throat> they just exploded the whole thing. So, I would like to say I'm excited about this because we're, as fans, going to benefit from all of this. But man, Marvel is really going to kill this whole multiverse idea. And I'm just kind of like, come on, man. Can't you just give DC a shot here? Let them have one. Well, they did have one. They had two. They had Wonder Woman as a lead female action hero. But then they came up with Captain Marvel, which, yeah, I know. It made a billion dollars. Don't get me started. But then we also had Aquaman, which is our first underwater action hero. And eventually, I think maybe Black Panther will have Namor in it. Who knows? But in any case, you know... DC, you know, again, has a lot more variety and things are happening. But the minute that pandemic is over, Marvel is going to unleash hell, so to speak, on DC. All right. I'm done. And it is 1030 and I'm sleepy. Beyond sleepy. And I need to have my sleepy time tea. A couple of quick notes. Today is being Thursday. I'm releasing this on a Friday. There's still time for you if you want to engage 
in my Sandman book club. It's going to be this Saturday, starting from 2 to 3.30. We're meeting twice a month. So it's every second and fourth Saturday, I believe, at the same time. We're talking about one volume each month, but each meeting we're going to split the book or the volume in half. So this meeting is going to be issues 1 through 4, and the second one, 10, 24, is going to be four through um, 5 through 8. As well as the Dune Book Club. Also on October 24th, that one will be from 11 to 12.30. That one, the first one is going to be more of an introduction to the Dune universe, as I mentioned before. And then come November, that's when we're going to have the actual first Dune Book Club meeting. And we're breaking up the book, as in the book, by books one, two, and three, and we'll discuss each one per month. So I hope you're at least going to join me, or at least, hey, give me an idea that what would you like us to do? Because after Dune, we were planning to maybe continue the whole Dune series, like there's a lot of books. Or pick up another series, like for Isomov's Foundation series, which is coming to Apple TV. So, love to have you give your input. And how can you do that? Well, you can email me at monstersci-fi-show at gmail.com. Remember to follow me on the various social networks. The Instagram post that I've been doing does have information about those two book clubs, so... If you don't have a pen and paper, just go to my Instagram account and you'll see those pictures there for more information. And lastly, before I go, I will be doing a tenant review. Kind of non-spoiler-ish. Because honestly, I did not understand the whole damn movie. And I'm a pretty smart guy. But I felt dumb. (laughs) Only because I'll talk about when it's there. But again, I think you'll like it. All right. So it's time for me to go. So again, thank you for listening to me and to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Good night. Hey, everyone. This is Carrie the Metal Geek, and I would like to invite you to hang out with myself and my fellow Metal Geeks as we have all kinds of discussions about heavy metal, films and TV shows, video games, theme parks, comic books, and whatever else is tickling our geeks. Please visit our website at MetalGeeksPodcast.com and follow us on all the social medias including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at MetalGeeks. We are also proud members of ESO Network, so you can check everything out at ESONetwork.com. Keep it metal, keep it geeky, stay safe, and see you on the next episode. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.